0: I mean, I think it's a positive, uh, I think for our whole team as well, because we have such, um, such young riders and, and just for everybody to have kind of like that time to work on, on things more and fine tune everything. I think a lot of fine tuning things that we never really worked on, um, because it was just, you know, race, recover, race, recover, race, recover, Um, there wasn't a whole lot of like other things like technique and and things that we were brushing up on um it was more just like performance 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 so i think it's given us uh, a chance to kind of get the whole um the whole picture and uh yeah I i think it's been really productive for for the whole team
1: that was kendall ryan this is Curtis Mansfield, and you're listening to the Hips and Dips podcast. This week, the Hips and Dips podcast is venturing stateside. So turn up the volume on your pickup truck or put on your sneakers and head out to the sidewalk and prepare yourself for a belt an episode with this week's guest, Kendall Ryan. Kendall Ryan is a Team USA and Team Legion cyclist who is a three-times national champion hailing from Ventura, California. Nicknamed by the media as the Crit Queen, she's a feared sprinter amassing road titles like the Armed Forces Classic in 2019. On the track, she's achieved a bronze in the World Cup Madison in Brisbane and a gold in the Pan American Championships, both in 2019, setting Kendall up nicely for the up to the Tokyo Olympics. But the COVID pandemic hit the world and there's been very little racing on the road or track since and therefore perhaps her dreams hang in the balance. I'm looking forward to talking to Kendall, discussing the setbacks in her career and what the future looks like. Just a reminder, if you have stumbled across this podcast for the first time, head over to the Instagram page, which is at hips underscore and underscore dips with a Z for more details on Kendall and all my previous guests. And also uh, drop me a message if you wish, because I love the feedback and I'd love to have those conversations. Now, without further ado, I'm going to be transported all the way to the west coast of America through the power of technology. And so let's get Kendall on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Miss Kendall Ryan. Okay, Kendall, thanks for coming on. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. Hot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as I say, you're my favorite. first guest from outside the UK uh, to join the podcast so why don't you let everyone know whereabouts you're ringing in from
0: yeah um I live in Ventura California um pretty much uh yeah I guess Southern California um would be the region um yeah it's super sunny hot here right now so yeah,
1: I'm just warm weather beaches yeah. um Enjoying I know it. that because I follow your Instagram and I've noticed <laughs> Most of your weeks involve training, followed by sitting on a beach or enjoying the sun, whereas I speak for everyone currently in the UK when we're all in bobble hats and thermals. So (laughs) I'm sure people are very envious listening to this. Um, uh, So, yes, I'm I'm glad we finally got this going because we did have some mishaps yesterday in terms of timing. So you're the first person (laughs) I've had different that time was zones. my
0: bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally thought that uh, the time that you were going to be calling me was a lot later, and uh, yeah, that was my bad. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fine. That's fine. So I'm glad we finally got we finally got it sorted. Um, so I've asked all my guests actually before we start how 2020s affected their health, um, with that perspective of sort of mental, physical, and social sort of the three parts of health. I'm particularly interested with you because obviously you're American so how's that perspective changed across the pond with regards to the U.S.'s approach to COVID? Obviously an election year plenty to talk about so how oh, 2020 mean? Yeah.
0: What, what a loaded <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean for me personally um, it's been super hard like not, not racing for a whole year. Um, I haven't not raced my bike since I was six years old um (laughs) so I've it's yeah it's been really really strange really um it's been yeah a new experience for me I guess in a way um so just yeah just having that obstacle to kind of get get over and and man just training all year um instead of instead of having that outlet of like uh you know, competition and, um, you know, getting to have some type of, you know, I guess it's been, it's been different. Like I I've had highs and lows in racing, Mm. but instead of highs and lows in racing, it's just been like highs and lows in training and being able to push myself and, you know, dealing with all the other, you know, crap going on in the world and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it was kind of like, Oh, okay, maybe we'll get to race. Oh, actually, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, but I would say at the beginning of the season, um, I was, uh, I actually had a, a crash in training and I got a concussion and, uh, I was, I was pretty messed up for like three months, um, with no training or anything. And I, uh, so that whole period of like, oh man, I'm going to have to get through this lockdown of COVID. Like I was pretty out of it anyway. So it didn't really feel <laughs> like I was locked down or, um, or that like, yeah, that I like couldn't get through it because I, I needed the rest. Um, I needed to not be doing anything. So um, I feel like it wasn't as hard for me because I was just kind of like, well, I can't do anything anyway. So I just need, this is kind of like, a forced recovery (laughs) um but in the in the same breath it was actually a blessing in disguise that the olympics got moved (laughs) to the following year because um i don't think there was any way that i would have gotten on top of uh my concussion in time um yeah and that you know that would have been my you know the reason for usa cycling not to not to choose me to go probably um so yeah, I mean, that kind of gave me another year to work on, um, you know, my recovery and work on things that I've, you know, been not as good at or, you know, could be better at in my mind, but also, you know, in their opinion um, or the, the, tra- the coach's opinion. Um, yeah. So it's kind of given me a second chance to, to get my bearings under me. Um, but yeah, it's also been really hard to do that without a lot of racing too um so yeah
1: and I, sp- I suppose you're lucky in the sense cycling as an outdoor sport at least you could train and I know some yeah. sports couldn't even do that um but equally a, a sport like cycling where you continuously push yourself to the limit in training doing that yeah. repeatedly must be really hard without having those those peaks those highlights of the events and stuff yeah I, know, I must agree yeah. yeah
0: it's just kind of like how hard I can push myself in my training you know how dig I can be um versus like you know, letting everyone else kind of pummel me in races or or whatever. And uh, yeah, so it's just been kind of like that inner motivation. um, That's been like something that I've had to really like dig for. Um, And I don't think I've ever really like pushed myself into training this hard ever in my entire life. So uh, I guess I yeah learned a few things about myself, you know, even being in the sport for geez, like 20 years, uh, I'm still, you know, learning things about myself. So it was, yeah, I guess an interesting experience. Um, I guess I had a lot more, like, drive in me than I thought.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I've heard there's a a famous um, adventurer sportsman over in this country called Ross Edgley, and he talks quite a lot about the idea of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation for sport. So obviously extrinsic being you know, Olympic medals or money or pre prize money, trophies, et cetera. And obviously intrinsic being your own motivation to succeed, just just, you know, to either just improve your own fitness or just to get those miles done, just purely focused on yourself. Okay. And I think the idea of having this year said so without competitions, I think a lot of athletes have found those perhaps I'm not saying this in your case, but for some people that intrinsic motivation might have died down a little bit because you have either financial rewards or trophies or medals or publicity or whatever it is. When you take yeah. all that away, suddenly you strip it back to the bare essence of the sport, which in your case is just getting those miles done and maybe mm-hmm. you discover something new about yourself, which I think sir. So. it's interesting to hear as well as you mentioned, there's a positive for Tokyo being delayed because of a lot of athletes, it's only negativity, but some people yeah. like yourselves, the extra year, the extra year experience, extra year training may have a real positive effect when it comes to the games.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a positive. Uh, I think for our whole team as well because we have such um, such young riders, and and just for everybody to have kind of like that time to work on on things more and fine tune everything. I think a lot of fine tuning things that we never really worked on, um, because we were, it was just, you know, race, recover, race, recover, race, recover. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of like other things like technique and, and things that we were brushing up on. Um, it was more just like performance, performance, performance. So I think it's given us uh, a chance to kind of get the whole, um, the whole picture, And uh, yeah, I I think it's been really productive for for the whole team. Um, I would say it's been really hard too because um, we've had a few obstacles with the training circumstances where uh, half of us would be staying at the training center and then half of us would be living off campus. Um, And those restrictions with the Olympic Training Center, Uh, We couldn't train with um, the athletes that were staying off campus. So it would, it kind of split up our group where we weren't really allowed to all train together, which, which kind of sucks. So there was a couple of my teammates that I haven't trained with all year. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I mean, we still, all of us have been training our asses off. I think a lot of us are really, really fit right now and are just like chomping at the bit to test, you know, test. Test ourselves. Um, so it's uh, yeah. It's, yeah, I think, I I think those.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think those first events back in all sports can be really interesting because, uh, obviously, this year because those first events back might not be too long before the Olympics, and you might yeah. find people who finished 2019 as perhaps the best riders may well have either lost endurance lost strength lost motivation over the t- over those years perhaps those riders yeah. who were a long way behind might have gained stuff so mm-hmm. you could find in all sports particularly into olympic year that um they could be all be jiggling off the pack and there could be people you didn't expect to win uh-huh. medals win medals and people you expected uh-huh. to maybe not so
0: that yeah, would be uh,
1: interesting to see yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm pretty interested to see i mean Uh, I'm a little nervous because I feel the bunch races are going to be a bit sketchy because we all haven't been, you know, racing, um, day in and day out. And, you know, everyone, everyone might be super eager and rusty. And so I think, I feel like the first couple of races might be a little sketch, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, and everyone's going to be, you know, obviously just like chomping at the bit to, you know, come in firing on all eight and you know take some risks so um that's the only bit that i'm i'm worried about but yeah i'm just i'm so excited to like finally race um hopefully there's some stuff coming up for us and um yeah i'm just yeah really eager (laughs) to get back out there it's been a long time at home
1: (laughs) great no and uh i I think that's great i think it's great to see athletes who've achieved so much already still being so motivated now because you've had that um you've had that almost you've gone cold turkey for a while you haven't had that stimulant off the sport right you can't wait to get it back you're all uh you're all addicts to your um (laughs) sport Um, (laughs) okay so uh moving on to the slightly more light-hearted section um before we get into the real serious uh training side of it just to clarify you're not the new york times best-selling author are you no (laughs) Yeah. no oh did
0: you google me did you
1: yeah you haven't
0: so it's, yeah I'm not a I'm not an author no that's... no you
1: haven't <laughs> written books like happy endings or <laughs> filthy beautiful lust or down and dirty that wasn't you was it no, no. <laughs> Okay, because that, that, uh, that, that is the most stuff that comes up, so I mean...
0: I mean, I love a good, you know, romance novel, like, absolutely, but yeah, that, that's not me.
1: I'm not <laughs> sure this is romance. <laughs> Maybe but, next uh,
0: time type, like, Kendall Ryan, Cyclist, and then you won't have that issue.
1: Yeah, well, next time, yeah. I mean, too fat in mind, I just had to filter through all the, uh, <laughs> the other stuff. That's fine, that's fine. We'll. Uh, I've learned from that. Uh, but I have prepared a little game. Um and it's based on, I found out <laughs> you used to be a saxophone player.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah That is the level of detail I did in my research.
0: Yeah, um, you dug deep. Yeah, I'll sax. Yeah.
1: So um, we're going to play a little game called Blood on the Tracks, which is oh a music-themed uh, little quiz. Um, <laughs> and it's based around your love of music and your love of cycling. And we're going to compare that to Freddie Mercury's love of music and cycling, which I assume what he meant by the song, I Want to Ride My Bicycle. Um, Uh I imagine, I I assume he's talking about a literal bicycle, I wouldn't know (laughs) any different. And before anyone who's listening is concerned by (laughs) Kendall's knowledge on Queen, I did prep her for this by telling her this song would come up. So she isn't necessarily, she might well be, but I don't think she's a super fan um, of Queen. (laughs) But so for this game, uh, the the song Queen features 10 lines um, which have contrasting points. So, for example, uh, Freddie Mercury sings, you say black, I say white. Right. Okay. So for this quiz, I want you, to, I'm going to read out the first half of the line and I want you to tell me the final word. OK, yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you the first one, actually. So there's only nine left. So next one. Uh, <laughs> You say bark, I say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you say rolls, I say. Royce. Royce, yeah. Uh, you're not cheating, are you? No. <laughs> okay. just,
0: you're doing them out of order. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you say Lord, I say. I
0: have no idea. Lord. That one,
1: that one was Christ.
0: Christ oh
1: <laughs> <I'm sorry>. uh, <laughs> I want to ride my bicycle no that was bike actually that one
0: oh bike
1: yeah, yeah. I want to ride my bicycle that one was bicycle yeah that was bicycle <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh you say John I say Wayne yeah uh for Vietnam or your american history or well, your history i suppose we call it american history god uh, you're out of time the answer <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the answers. watergate
0: oh watergate
1: oh. yeah oh, watergate. i didn't know
0: that <laughs> lyric
1: <laughs> uh you say smile i say i have no idea cheese that is. cheese cheese yeah is that is that might be is that an English expression? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, and finally, I want to ride my bicycle. No, that was bike as well. Bike. That's another wrong one. <laughs> so, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give I you seven.
0: I failed this test, maybe like sixty <laughs> percent.
1: Seven out of ten. That's a pass <laughs> by uh, British standards. So, uh, well done. Thanks. <laughs> was, uh, I honestly was...
0: thought you were going to have me sing the song. <laughs>
1: No, well, you can if you want. Oh my God, here we go. No, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> okay, well, that was another episode of Blood on the Tracks. So oh, that was yeah. exciting. Right, anyway, back to the uh, <laughs> serious interview at hand. Um, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> um, you have had success on both the track as well as the road. Um, hmm. But what is your favourite discipline?
0: oh that's a hard one because i i love the road and the track um i'd say like i have favorite races on the road and the track individually like on the track i love the madison i love how chaotic it is um and i love how freaking hard it is (laughs) Mm. and i love crit racing on the road um yeah, that those would be my my top two.
1: Okay. Okay, a little bit of a cop out there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't choose. <laughs> I can't <do. laughs>
1: that's uh, that's fine. I'll take that. Um so anyway, how did you first get started in cycling anyway?
0: Um okay, so my my parents were both triathletes. Um my mom was actually a professional triathlete uh I think the last 2 years and then she had um my siblings and I and my my dad was a really like he's a pretty good amateur racer um and it kind of started where he was trying to get better at the bike leg of a triathlon Mm -hmm. and so he's like okay we're gonna we're gonna head on over to some crit races um some road races and check it out and we we would just come and watch um you know take the truck and go watch and um i think as soon as i turned uh 9 um oh and uh, sorry i'm jumping ahead of myself but we had um we had this BMX track by our house and we would just ride around um on the BMX track and and i'd just be chasing my brother around and all that um mm-hmm. so i started yeah. doing that when i was 6 but um, so I, I never really, uh, I never really like, got into cycling until I was about nine. But I did little little mini kid triathlons um, called Iron Kids, uh, mm-hmm. and so I did that since I was six. And um, I uh, so anyways, jumping back to the other story, my my dad um, he had us do the little kitty races um, at this one criterium and I just remember like just loving it and like I got a medal and I got like a little swag bag full of goodies and all these things <laughs> and I was like this is so cool I love this and uh we just kept going to these little kitty races with him and then it just kind of turned into like a family thing and um I would say like I just started doing it for fun and because my whole family did it. And then um, turned out I was actually like really good um, at cycling. And I, I started winning like state championships and all kinds of stuff. And um, so my dad threw us into pretty much every genre of cycling you can think of, except for downhill. He refused to buy me a downhill bike. He was like, no, you're too crazy. You're, I'm not going to buy you a downhill bike. Like, you'll hurt yourself. <laughs> Um and yeah, so just uh that's pretty much why I I think of myself as a really good bike handler because when I was young my dad um had me in pretty much every genre and um yeah, so uh just from then on it just turned in turned from a, a family thing to um a huge passion. And uh, I started getting opportunities to go race in Europe when I was 15 um and and yeah since then i yeah i've been racing in europe every year so except for this year (laughs) no racing whatsoever um so yeah as you can see it's it's been pretty weird for me to to not be racing my bike um and just riding just training um just pushing myself so yeah Hmm.
1: um i suppose i mean i don't want to bring his name up this early (laughs) oh (laughs) The the big um controversial figure but pre-lance armstrong um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously yeah. uh, american cycling was a lot less than it is now that sport really took off following his career but even now is, is europe still the pinnacle for any cyclist to come and race over here
0: yep so by, by here, i
1: mean europe not england europe yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so i mean i would say Um, especially for, for female cyclists, um, going over and racing in Europe, uh, you know, at the world tour level, that's, that's pretty much, um, the cream of the crop for, for women cyclists. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say since Lance's, uh, you know, downfall, um, cycling in America, uh, has been struggling a bit. Um, teams have been struggling, you know, races going away, big, big races going away. I mean, I mean, we used to have the tour, California, Philly, all these big races in America and they've all gone away. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have, uh, not been throwing money at USA cycling, um, because it's, uh, because of that era. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's damaged it a little bit and I mean, i I'm hoping that we can you know bring more attention back to cycling in, in the us and um, and grow it back here um, and you know i think that's why i well i guess to lead into another subject is, is why I, um join legion and because they want to see the sport grow they want to see the sport change for the better um, get more people involved and i think their mission of Growing cycling in the U.S. and starting with criterium racing is an amazing way to get Americans into into cycling because you know Americans love a good party, they love a good a good time, they love a good experience, um, and I feel like the only way cycling could give that to them is you know by shutting down a downtown area, a college town, whatever. And, you know, having a criterium and it's like a block party, um, Mm. you know, and people can have a beer, yell at some people going around corners at 30, 40 miles an hour, you know, and just have a great time and see, see what's going on multiple, you know, multiple laps in a row, not, you know, for an hour, hour and a half, rather than like, okay, the race is going by once in a road race and you see them, then you don't see them again for another three hours. So I think I think crit racing is you know a really good way to do that and um so I also crits being one of my big passions and one of my big loves of cycling um I just thought it was a perfect fit I felt like um you know I needed a I needed a change from racing at the world tour level and I wanted to see um you know racing in my country grow um yeah so
1: well, there's one thing um, us Brits are envious of when it comes to American sport, it's the tailgate. Um, and <laughs> uh, people are eating vast amounts of meat and drinking lots of beer outside yeah. of sporting venues. So, yeah, it's a perfect setup if you could have a race around a tailgate.
0: Absolutely. Like it'd be
1: the perfect, uh, the perfect mix. Um, yeah. One other thing, I mean, actually. Hey, hey,
0: you know what? I think, honestly, I think crit racing should be. Recognize at the world level. I think it should be, you know, they've got freaking zwift Racing World Championships. Like, why not have criterium World Championships? Like, that's how big I want to see it grow. Um, well, you know, why don't
1: and, you just for for the listeners? Obviously, I'm an expert, but for the listeners, yeah. just explain uh, what crit racing is.
0: Oh, okay, so a criterium is is a circuit, um, basically. I would say like what a mile long um, or, you know, a little shorter, a little longer around there. Um, you race on this circuit for, uh, for the women's usually about an hour for the men, it's usually about like an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and you know, they, they throw out, uh, crowd preems, they throw out prizes, uh, that you race for. So they ring the bell next lap, you know, you go through the line first, you get uh, whatever, 200 bucks. Um, and basically they, they average your lap times and then they'll give you 10 laps to go. Um, and then whoever crosses the line first wins, obviously. Um, and these races are just, they're a lot about strategy um, because the racing is so quick, so fast paced. Um, and it's not like a long drawn out road race. Where you have all this time to just kind of like sit and motor along, um, it's a lot more quick and fast pace and uh, a lot more intense. Um, so I would I would compare crit racing to the closest thing you're going to get to like track racing, um, like a points race or uh, um, you know scratch race. Pretty much, pretty much a scratch race, but longer.
1: Yeah. Okay. I see. Um... Yeah, and obviously that's in contrast to what we have in Europe and so around the world, which is these long tours. Mm-hmm. So, like Tour de France. We we're talking about multiple days. As you said, you yeah. cycle past once, and we've had we've had it. Obviously, the tour, the Tour de France, has gone through England several times, mm-hmm. and I've witnessed it. And it is just a blur of like a hundred cyclists whizz yeah. past you, and then you're mean, done. That's the end.
0: <laughs> it's a really awesome, you know. 30 seconds of like this pack of you know 150 riders whizzing by you but um yeah i mean it's it's so short and you're like oh, okay that was cool all right what do we do now <laughs> you know um you don't get to watch the race unfold you don't get to um feel the in- that intensity multiple times um throughout an hour and i think that's what crit racing really brings to the table
1: yeah no um i agree i you mentioned the obviously how cycling's gone downhill slightly. So the post Armstrong era and annoyingly while you were talking, I was trying to find the actual figure because it's something incredible. I remember really watching a documentary about it before and I couldn't find it annoyingly. So I'm going to have to make it up. (laughs) I'm going to have to (laughs) slander, but it was something silly. Like when he went for his first tour, uh, when the nineties, um, he, the value of the american cycling market in total was something like a million dollars like the whole market so in city it was like basically nothing and mm-hmm. then by the time he finished his career it was worth so many billion dollars it was like one of the biggest industry increases yeah in that period of time ever like you could compare the increase in value of the cycling market to the increase in value of the home computing market or something silly. It was, it was ridiculous how quickly that sport grew in America. Um, yeah. and then obviously it's inevitable when you have that sort of drop off, I suppose there's going to have to be some casualties of that in terms of the sport on the whole, but it would be yeah. great if, as you said, if this sort of crit cycling can be a way to really grow that sport back again, um, and perhaps put America on the map. So, you know, if you want to do your long tours, you come to France or Spain or Italy. But if you want to do sort of crit cycling, you go to America and maybe that'd be better for spectators, better for TV audiences. That's going to put yeah, more money into the sport. And and, yeah, and annoyingly, um, you have <laughs> come to my final points at the start. So you've, you've thrown <laughs> the plan out the window. Uh, oh, but did, <laughs> that's fine. I did have my, in my notes on my research uh, about you joining this new cycling team. So since you mentioned it, let's go into that. So it's called... Uh, legion of los angeles is that yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. uh with the interesting it's actually l l39 ion is it is yeah that, yeah mm-hmm. uh which is, of course makes perfect sense um yeah and i read to so their pro cycling team and they're dedicated to increasing diversity encouraging inclusion and giving supporters access to their favorite athletes which as you mentioned um aligns with view pretty well I did see a great quote from you somewhere. Uh, Somewhere, but um, (laughs) I I wish I could quote it probably but I haven't written it down. But basically, (laughs) you said you think it'd be amazing if there can be equality for females in the sport in terms of prize money. Um, So just let me know. So currently, in the current state of play, do you think the sport's fairer in America or Europe? And then... Perhaps, what's the role of this new cycling team in promoting that or increasing that and diversity and so on?
0: Um, I think the I think it's fair, honestly. In the US, um, I think the races are a lot bigger in Europe, but cyclists still don't see women cyclists still don't see that compensation. Um, in you know prize money from races uh you know in their salaries um you know essentially we're doing the same races as as the men at the world tour level um and you know (laughs) i always i always joke like if i was a a male sprinter with the palomars um that i have you know maybe i'd be a millionaire by now Um, and just to have you know I'm still living at home and, mm. you know, living paycheck to paycheck, just fighting for a dream. And, you know, it's like, I, <laughs> I would, I would love to be living on my own. I would love to be, uh, you know, just having a little piece of like something that's mine. Um, but I can't even do that with the salary that I make. So it's, it's really, it's really hard. It's, it's still a struggle for, for women cyclists in the sport. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge motivator for me to, to try to be part of this mission of growing, um, growing the sport, fighting for equality. You know, it's, um, I think it's a great mission statement of the team and I'm like, I'm, I'm just super happy to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, be given a chance to, you know, um, I feel I'm probably, you know, coming at the, the end of my career. So like, I want to, I want to give back and I want to yeah. contribute as much as I can, um, to see that the, the sport is, is, uh, better, um, once I, once I leave it and, mm. you know, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to, to see like the sport, uh, especially for developing young athletes, um, not as, uh, it's not as there's not as much support. There's not as much uh foundation for them. Like a perfect example I would say for me when I was when I was 15, I started racing in Europe and was part of this whole program of um, you know, with Corinne Vera, Katie Antonio, um, you know, some great American cyclists in my era. And, you know, we had this opportunity of going and racing in Europe and doing these big stage races doing all these things uh living in italy for three months before junior world championships um you know and like now american uh juniors have to pay to be part of the national team um (laughs) so that's that's the big difference in funding um, from when lance was still in the sport and you know he wasn't seen as this you know this corrupt bad guy, um, he brought a lot of money into the sport. And, you know, he actually really did a lot of good things for American cycling and giving us funding and all of that, which I think a lot of people forget about is, is he made the sport huge here. Um, and since, you know, he's been kind of banned from it. <laughs> it's like, there's no funding, there's nothing left, really. Um, and no one wants to be a part of it. So that's why, like, I think, I'm, you know, somewhat like passionate about getting on a mission, um, with Legion about like, no, there's good things about this sport. There's positive things about this sport and, um, yeah, and just share that passion with other people and try to grow it again.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's summed up really well in your own words, which I have now found, uh, which <laughs> is joining Legion is a big deal to me. My goals are to encourage desire and participation of women in the sport of cycling, share my knowledge with the up and coming and win every race we show up to. Um <laughs> which yes yeah, so that, that puts that very succinctly into a nice point. But on that note, uh you've you've tempted me with the with the the fishing rod with the Lance Armstrong thing. But um <laughs> so how I'm interested actually how is he uh, viewed now from in, inside the sport? Because I can tell you the view from here in Europe. Um He's, he's one of those pantomime villains in Lance Armstrong. I mean, there's a lot of people who have reason to dislike him, perhaps, or dislike what he did. But there's also yeah. a lot of people who don't really know what he did. They just know off him as he's just that classic bad guy. And yeah. I've researched quite a lot in the past with um, with stuff at uni. And my view always been he was a product of quite a corrupt system. Um, but equally, he he made it perhaps he made it more corrupt so he could have done more to make it less corrupt and so on but ultimately his legacy has left a massive tarnish on American cycling and global cycling I think the whole sport has taken a massive financial hit because yeah. it's seen now as like you must know yourself as a as, an, as a cyclist yourself you must understand that a lot of people may look at you or your teammates and go oh I'm sure they're all cheating or oh there's there's always that question mark over your your performances because cycling probably always will or at least until there's been a long period of no no corruption that there's always a question mark over people like you and that must be quite hard for you to take so what is your view on Lance Armstrong from inside the sport and how does that differ perhaps to the general public
0: um you know it's (laughs) I feel like oh, this is a huge loaded question, you know. But whatever. Um,
1: <laughs> I dropped an absolute bombshell. Yeah, sorry, I, didn't prepare uh, yeah, you for I just, just thrown it in.
0: <laughs> answer this, Kendall Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm no expert on on that era of cycling. I just, you know, I know that, um, you know, in that in that era, everybody was doing something. You know, that was kind of like, yeah just like the dirty time, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an answer for you really. Um, but yeah, it is, it is hard because it, I have, you know, I have friends that, that have no idea really what I do, um, uh, as an athlete, like no concept, you know, but the one thing that they always bring up is like, oh, do people dope still? Like, uh, have you ever tested positive? And I'm like, wow. Like that's, that's what people think, you know, that's what, what, that's what they think about the sport. And it's well, like, yeah. it's pretty upsetting that, you know, they don't, uh, that that's like the first thing that they think of. Um,
1: yeah, no, so, it, is, it is, terrible. And it's, um, it's completely unfair, obviously, because you're innocent until proven guilty. So everyone should be given that assumption that you're clean and you shouldn't have to defend yourself unless you've got something to defend yourself from. But I remember very famously looking back at interviews of Lance Armstrong back in the day, he um, he was always very keen to point out, this is the most heavily tested sport in the world. <laughs> um, it's impossible to dope and not get caught. And obviously the whole time he was doping. So yeah. it's, uh, it, but yeah, I agree, it must be so hard to be in a sport where you're always under that microscope. And yeah. And, and and also, I think, like in your case, traditionally, there's been less big cases involving women as well. So a lot of the bigger names who've been doped often have been males, but obviously the sport gets treated as a whole. So whether you're a BMXer, a road cyclist, a track cyclist, a man, a woman um, from America, from Europe, whatever, you're all under the same unfortunate times to the same brush, as we say in this country. Yeah. So that must be really um, hard. But anyway, I'm going to move on there because... I feel like I've bombarded you with Lance Armstrong. Like I'll be honest no, with you, no, I no, can really show not. you the paper right here. There's uh, a, <laughs> there's no mention of Lance Armstrong. That was completely unprovoked. That's not on the paper.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, good. I mean, hey, the guy was, yeah, he inspired a lot of people. Um, and I think, yeah, the reason why cycling, well, I I was a huge fan. Like absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people were. So yeah, I mean I think it's just like you know, it really sucks. It really um um uh, it's a really a really big shame, but in the same breath he, you know, he wasn't the only one doing doing that stuff.
1: So Oh, no, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, the bigger the bigger they, bigger they bigger. are, the harder they fall, as they say. So really. Yeah. Um okay uh but so one one final point before we wind back to the original plan for the um <laughs> the interview is uh, yeah which I think you, you alluded to that already actually but if you look at the sport 10 years ago so when you were just starting off as a professional do you think the sport has continued to clean up its act in that time do you think the sport's perhaps in a better position now than it was they say when you started but perhaps also the year before you as well do you think it's going the right direction
0: uh uh as far as yeah. Uh, so
1: in terms of um sort of controversy any sort of you know doping and drug oh, use and um
0: you know i i can only speak from my experience and yeah i mean i i'm on the usada whereabouts um i get tested pretty much every time i go to the training center um they get me multiple times out of competition in competition um so from my experience it's you know i can only speak from that right um yeah. i don't know what other people are doing but um you know it's it's uh, i think it's pretty good um as far as uh, american cycling goes uh they test us a lot um god i think they've got they've got a Last time they tested me, I peed in a cup, they took blood, and they had some other thing that took blood. Um, so they're pretty thorough in every time they yeah. um they test us. So yeah, it's um I think it's better, more thorough. I think they're doing a really good job of keeping the sport clean, keeping people in check. Um so yeah, I'm I'm happy to do it. And uh yeah, I think everybody um, that, you know, is in the testing pool is happy to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I think, God, I think some, some Euro got, got popped the other day. Um, I can't remember her name, but yeah, that was, that was a shame to see that. Um, yeah. not really sure. what I can't remember what it was for, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's as, um, prominent in in women's cycling uh as it you know probably is in men's cycling but yeah there's there's still those people out there that you know they're just trying everything they can um and they get desperate and you know that's the that's the choice they chose to make and you know you definitely deserve to be punished for it so
1: well yeah no that, that's good and um it's good to hear that you will really you, you i think i think imagine if i was in your position i'd agree with you that it's worth putting up with the inconvenience of the urine samples and blood tests if it keeps us going oh, yeah. overall. Yeah.
0: Um, oh man, I get woken up at like butt crack of dawn, like six in the morning to pee in a cup. It freaking sucks. But hey, you know if if uh, you know if I do it, everyone else is having to do it. That's fair.
1: I'm just I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> make a note as well of what I think might be one of the coolest phrases I've ever heard, which is <laughs> some Euro just got popped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, writing that down uh, somewhere because that's uh, that's that's great. That's dynamite. I'm putting that down. <laughs> <in> my, uh, <laughs> uh, <here's laughs> some window for you. Let's <laughs> uh, put that. that down there. Right. Um, so going so going back to the original stream of questioning, uh, and obviously this is a strange question because it's in following from this COVID year, so it's not conventional. But how does your career training pattern change in an Olympic year? Oh, um,
0: man, I would say, sorry, that was my email. Um, (laughs) I would say, uh, man, so I'm trying to go for the Olympics on the track. Um, and I feel like I have, uh, not only because of COVID, but even, uh, in the previous year, I haven't raced as much. Um, it's been a lot more training and drills and, um, you know, spending time with, with the team on the track and, um, rather than going and racing a lot. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with like, well, you know, you need to spend time doing that event, doing, you know, being in that position, um, to get used to it on the bike. Um, but also, you know, spending time with teammates and getting to know each other, having a bond. Um, but, I would say uh, one of the big reasons to race less maybe would be because um, they want to eliminate chances of uh, crashes. Um, so that could be another thing. But yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been quite different. I would say um, very regimented, um, spending a lot of time. Uh, perfecting the craft versus uh, you know spending a lot of time on the road and racing and doing all that so um, yeah I mean with this year especially I've spent so much time (laughs) like at home but (laughs) um, yeah Uh, I I guess that's your question
1: (laughs) yeah no it it does to an extent Um, I suppose what's interesting is I imagine, for where I'm sitting, in terms of pure muscular endurance, power, et cetera, it doesn't differ too much between doing a, say, a team pursuits, like a long distance track event and a long distance road event. I'd imagine the, the bigger differences, obviously, is in technique, um, changeovers, uh, starts, et cetera, stuff that's like track specific. In terms of the overall muscle training, do you find it's pretty much the same either way? Oh,
0: no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I feel, uh, I, yeah, I feel that I've been doing a lot more gym. Um, I mean, I do, I do gym anyway, but I feel I've done a lot more gym, um, a lot, a lot of double days, um, sometimes a triple day thrown in there. Um, I don't think I've, yeah, ever done this many double days in my life, (laughs) Um, so track is definitely different in that way. Um, and yeah, I would say spending a lot more time on the track, um, than road riding, um, because they're just, they're so different. Uh, the sensations of riding on a track versus on the road is so different. Uh, the sensation of riding on a concrete track versus a, a wooden track is also different. Um, so but yeah, in Colorado, we train, we train on a, a 333 track, um, concrete and it's cold as shit. It's like 50 degrees, like mm-hmm. <laughs> just absolutely brutal. Um, you know, and then we're racing, uh, oh, and it's at altitude. Uh, and then we're racing on a, a uh, indoor 250, and it's, you know, they, heat that bitch up to like 85 degrees or 90 degrees and you're just <laughs> wetting bullets. Um, but so yeah, I'm just going to make
1: a note of that as well. Heat that <laughs> bitch up. Put that on my, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, stuff. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting. This whole process has been interesting um, and yeah, it's been really cool to experience it um because not many people get to uh but yeah it's uh I would say track is is way uh way more intense than road um and I've also pretty much every ride that I do has some type of like specific intervals um some okay. some type of inten- high intensity uh, my rides are shorter too um but yeah, like I said, double days. Um if it's a a road ride and then gym or if it's two road rides or if it's a road ride and a track day, you know, it's it's always having a double day um and just yeah, just loading the body up. So a lot more high intensity than than road.
1: Yeah, well I, I could ima- I can imagine that actually just looking at the training, like the competing for both of them. You can imagine it's a much higher more yeah. intense environment. Um, so I found very few cyclists I know spend a long time cycling without receiving a face full of rose or wood or um, asphalt or tarmac, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's a sport. My, is,
0: my favorite quote that my dad ever said is, "There are those that have fallen, and there are those that will." <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> I mean, um, it's yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, in my very limited. Uh, cycling experience i'm certainly one of the ones who has fallen i haven't got any balance um (laughs) i spent most of the summer out with a knee injury because we got these things in england called trams i'm not sure what you'd call them they're like they're like trains but they go on roads yeah 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 yeah. uh so i was cycling along one of those tracks and there's like little grooves i got my wheel stuck in a groove and then got thrown off Oh, I was wearing you the little, to, like the little... hit those
0: at like a ninety degree angle so you don't eat shit. Yeah,
1: yeah I worked that <laughs> one out now. Um, I didn't know that at the time, so I was I was wearing the old clip-on oh, shoes, or cleats, oh. whatever you want to call them, and I was uh, flung off the bike, twisted my knee, so I spent about twelve weeks out with that. Oh. Uh, that was fine. And I remember also thinking back to being a being a kid, and I did a little bit of track cycling um, for like one summer holiday experience um and I did team pursuit and I was uh, leading the the group the group of four around the track and I was told to slow down so I slowed down obviously too abruptly and my three teammates were sent sprawling across the track uh, oh god! but I didn't realize this so I actually carried on so I, I won the race as far as I'm concerned and then when I finished no! that, when, I, when I finished that lap and came back round, I saw my mates lying on the floor Covered in blood, and like oh. it's a bike everywhere. I realized all oh, this. I wasn't really invited back after that, but that's oh, that's my god. experience of um, <laughs> cycling. But for someone with a 10 year career like yourself, I'm sure you've got some great stories. So, what sorts of injuries have you picked up over the years?
0: Oh, god, um, geez, uh, so, um, well, my work, I would say my worst, uh, broken bone injury was um, racing in San Luis, Argentina, um, doing the tour of San Luis. And I think it was like stage two or three. I think it was three. And we're just all riding along in a bunch. And I think we're like 20K from the finish. And <laughs> this chick comes up on my left side and tries to squeeze between me and this other rider. Obviously, there's no room for her um, and hooks my bar. And uh, for a second, I was like, oh, like, I'm trying to get unhooked. And she freaks out. And next thing I know, I'm flying through the air. And um, sometime between me flying through the air and landing on the ground, my arm goes through someone else's wheel and it swings around and hits the back of a fork and uh, yeah, my my arm didn't look very pretty for a while, but um, yeah, it was. It started to look like a rainbow uh, after a couple of days uh, from all the bruising. And um, I broke my scaphoid um, in my wrist, and I was actually really surprised that that was the only thing that I broke because that really hurt. Um,
1: well, I I, I heard <laughs> actually you you split you split your scaphoid. Is that correct? Yeah
0: yeah in half
1: yeah that's a bit more than just damaged it you you split it in half okay (laughs)
0: yeah um so but the funny thing about that was uh I went to the doctor had an x-ray and they're like oh it's fine um you just have a bad sprain and I was like I think something's actually wrong like really wrong um so I actually had about three x-rays done couldn't see anything broken so I went and raced in Europe. <laughs> this is in what 2016, and so went and raced in Europe and did some spring classics, okay, with a broken yeah. scaphoid still, and um, <laughs> did did like I would say four or five races, and then um, I couldn't hang on the bars. Like I couldn't, I couldn't hold the bars anymore. Like I had no grip strength. Um, couldn't finish a race. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, it was just a bad sprain. Um, so I flew home and uh, finally got, you know, an MRI. And they're like, oh, yeah, your scaffold's absolutely split in half. Um, it looks like it was, it was a, like, uh, like part, like, it was broken partially. And then because I raced the spring classics, it cracked all the way through.
1: Okay. Uh, so she your called <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's my fault that it went broke all the way in half. Um, so yeah, that was that was a super painful experience. And uh yeah, it took a long time to heal. Um I think it was like uh, eight weeks or something after surgery. So um yeah, that was probably my worst one. All the others were concussions, which are also really bad. Don't don't hit your head, kids. Always wear your helmet. <laughs> um <laughs>
1: Yeah. But oh, uh <laughs> lovely. So how uh, lovely. <laughs> well will park that there, that's that's uh, that was pretty grim that injury. Um yeah. <laughs> I probably should have put in a warning for anyone who's a bit a bit screamish, but it's too late now, so apologize <laughs> if you were and you've heard all that. Um <laughs> now as someone who's not a cyclist, we've all had those leg days or spin classes which have gone a little bit wrong or right depending on how you look on it and we found ourselves unable to walk the next day (laughs) so for someone who has a career in doing continuous leg days I suppose uh how do you recover from a day-to-day basis
0: um so I try to get massage pretty regularly uh it's been kind of hard with COVID um But uh, you know, you can always do self-massage. You can always get one of those like Hyperice Theragun things. Um, You can uh, get Normatex, Um, foam rolling. I do a lot of foam rolling. Um, I also use a lacrosse ball for my glutes. Um, What else? I've got a bunch of little contraptions over here um, for my back. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of like uh, self therapy things that you can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's just doing all of that regularly and not um, not slacking on it. Like just just as hard as you train, you need to recover because you know if you're gonna try to get the most out of your body day in and day out, you you can't half-ass the recovery. Um, I think that's one thing that people tend to neglect is, um, routinely taking care of themselves, you know, not just like one day a week. Um, you know, after every ex- exercise you do, you should do something, um, to kind of flush your legs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's, that's one, one thing, one tip I would give.
1: Is that something that's intensified over your career? So you've learned from yes. the mistakes yeah, of the past? Yeah, because...
0: Because with all the training, I mean, like I I can get an overuse injury just because I'm not taking care of myself. Um, And, you know, that's kind of what I've suffered with this year. I had um, a bit of sciatica in my left leg. Um, And I think I'm over that spell now, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's, it's been hard to like, keep on top of it. And it was just like, I just routinely needed to take care of myself. You know, I'm getting older, I'm 28. I'm an old woman now, you know, I'm not an 18 year old that can just bounce back, you know, day after day. And, um,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, and
0: just throttle myself, I can't do that anymore. I'm, you know, I got to take care of myself. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I see you do a few slightly more alternative uh, therapies as well. So I've noticed dry oh, yeah. So what is what is that yeah, I
0: tried I tried dry needling um did it a couple times at the training center um uh, because I was looking for like an immediate relief um more so like pain relief uh for my leg with the sciatica and um yeah I I felt like the pain relief immediately went away um I don't know that I would do it very often um it's more of kind of like um a one and done thing <laughs> um but I do chiropractor a lot as well. Um, I really like the chiropractor, uh, and yeah, that's about
1: it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, plenty of stuff there I think for people to look into, um, yeah. particularly in terms of recovery. And I agree. I mean, that's, that's something I've learned probably wasted a good five, 10 years of my younger life, not doing stretching properly, not doing rolling, um, and then I perhaps went a bit too far the other way. So I was rolling. Rolling became my social life. So I was rolling for <laughs> hours every night. Which is a bit sad. Um, if anyone gave me any sort of Zoom call, I'd probably be rolling in the background. Um, <laughs> so probably went a bit too far. But but yeah, yeah no, I think it's so important to, <laughs> to look after. And I said to prepare for each session, because if not, you're just wasting half the work you put into a session. If you don't recover properly, what was the point in doing yeah. it? Sorry. Um, okay, so... So, so obviously, now we're looking ahead of the Olympics for 2021. Uh, Obviously, there's no guarantees you're going to be there yet because you haven't had your plays confirmed. But um, what are your realistic aims for this season?
0: Um, So, we have a few uh, Nations Cups coming up. Um, So, we have a camp um, next month. And basically it's, it's like, uh, interviewing for a job, um, you know, kind of just showing our stuff, showing our worth of, uh, you know, who's ready. Um, and yeah, um, they're going to choose what squad gets to do the nation's cups, um, what races they get to do at the nation's cups. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping for some opportunity. I'm getting nervous talking about it. Um, uh, some opportunities to do the Madison. Um and you know, maybe a spot here and there for team pursuit. Um, but yeah, that's that's a goal. Um and then hopefully racing goes in the US, please. Corona. <laughs> um, and yeah, I can get some races in with Legion, um, some crit races and um uh and then besides that, um yeah, just make the team. Our announcement is gonna happen in June for who makes the Olympic squad. Um, so yeah, I'm really hoping that I make it. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I have to work towards. And then, you know, if I don't make it, it'll just be full gas, uh, racing with Legion, um, you know, helping develop riders, uh, you know sharing knowledge with them experiences and um you know trying to put a hit squad together for for some races and uh you know and if i do make it then olympics will be priority and i imagine um it'll just be full gas uh camps and whatnot into the olympics
1: okay yeah i mean that's that's interesting because we had obviously british cycling's had a lot of success if you look at the last uh three Olympics in a row when we pretty much dominated medal tables. Um, And the one thing that's always been the case thing with British cycling from, from my point of view, outside of the sport is they seem to be quite settled teams. So when you look at, say, you mentioned like team pursuit, uh, you had Laura Trott, Joanna Roussel and so on. So these people were like dead set to be in that team for months, years before almost. Um, But so I suppose let's just assume for this moment that you do make the team um is that strange to be going in with with that sort of you you're sort of almost thrown into the olympics a little bit or is that something you're quite used to just just picking up and or does it does it matter who you're in the team with or is that quite important to have those relationships obviously madison's individual sport but with the team pursuit
0: madison's madison's a partner race um
1: oh yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah um but yeah I mean
0: team pursuit um, you know, we were the reigning world champions. I mean, I'm not, but four of our girls are. Yeah. So yeah. um, you know, we pretty much uh got our hit squad. But yeah, as as far as Madison goes, um yeah, it's it's really about what riders on the squad complement each other the best um for that race. And you know, it may not be two strongest riders um it's just the two riders that work the best together um so and uh yeah so we'll see kind of what happens who they decide on and i guess I'm, i'm guessing these nations cups coming up are kind of like um still gonna be the deciding factors of who who makes the olympic team because um we've gone with different combinations of riders for pretty much every world cup in the Madison. Um, so I think they're still trying to figure out who would be the best pair, um, for those races. And then, uh, yeah, as far as everything else goes, I mean, yeah, just making sure everyone's healthy and strong. And, um, but yeah, I think, uh, to your point, yeah, British cycling is kind of the, the standard or like they just set the standard they their your programs are really great um the support for the athletes looks amazing um yeah i kind of wish usa cycling was at that like that i'm a bit jealous <laughs> yeah.
1: but um yeah well, I, mean, I, can't, I can't take all the credit for um for the very cycling program but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> um so, so there's a few final points uh if you part of the olympics to one side for now um so, yeah, so we, so we mentioned it quite a lot already, but this this Legion of Los Angeles, this team you've joined, yeah. it's funny, I actually was exposed to them in two different ways. So, obviously, I was researching you had this interview, but I also heard, before I knew about you joining Legion, um, what's the founder's name again? Williams, isn't it? Is it Justin
0: Williams.
1: I said Justin Williams, yeah. Because he was on a podcast, which I was quite a big fan of, with Rich Roll, yep. where he um, he obviously spoke about diversity in the sport and encouraging black riders, Um elevating the women's game as well and so on so I was kind of already had a one eye on that um regardless of interviewing you and then obviously I was researching your career and obviously two aligns so it was, it was actually quite nice to see uh looking at it from an unrelated point of view and then looking at it regarding you so that was quite cool um yeah. do you so do you see your long-term future like perhaps the rest of your career being in this sort of team was this more of like an olympic cycle what's the plan with that
0: yeah um I mean, I'm hoping to see it through the, you know, it's, the team is still growing. It's still developing. um, And yeah, I'm super eager to be a part of that um, growth. And um, I think it's the momentum that this team has is just, it just keeps going and going and going. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, the, the men's side just, just went UCI pro Conti. So that's, you know, a huge step forward, um, for them, you know, such a young team and getting it to that level already is really awesome. Um, from where they started and, um, you know, I think they want the same thing for the women and, um, yeah, so I think for me personally, yeah, I I absolutely want to stay until, um, till that, till that, uh, growth is met. Um, Mm. and, uh, yeah, I definitely want to be a part of, yeah. Everything it's, um, yeah, it's really inspiring and, um, you know, just a special special thing to be a part of. Um, these guys I've known these guys since I was a junior, so we're on the same junior team, um, major motion. So, um, yeah, I definitely will be around, um, to see it through.
1: Great, yeah, and I mean, winning medals and winning trophies is great, and um, there's great things to have in your career, but to leave a legacy on the sport, which. I suppose you've got the opportunity to do that now, regardless yeah. of what you win or lose is, uh, is fantastic. So a couple of final points for me. Um, I normally like to try and get some sort of advice from the person I'm interviewing. So in this, <laughs> normally that's regarding my long list of injuries. But in this case, I am doing uh, the London Triathlon okay. uh, in August this year. I was supposed to do it last year. It got cancelled. Um, now swimming wise, I've got it nailed down. I'm a good swimmer and I'm a pretty good runner. Cycling, as you've already established, I've been on a bike probably 10 times in the last three or four years. And I think four of those times have resulted in crashes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) straight away, it doesn't bode well. Now, most of those crashes have had no one anywhere near me and I've crashed either into a tram track, into a fence, um, into the, just into the floor on the velodrome, et cetera. So what advice can you give me, bearing in mind in eight months' time, I will probably be in a very enclosed road environment with lots of cyclists all around me. That, that, <laughs> that The idea that really scares me when you see you guys competing and obviously you're in those big pelotons and you're really close together, mm-hmm. that, that scares the hell out of me. So what sort of advice <laughs> can you give me uh, from your point of view? Um... I'm so sorry, before, before you answer i appreciate that's a bit <laughs> like asking usain bolt for advice on walking to the shops like it's well beneath <laughs> you but uh regardless <laughs> please
0: <laughs> yeah um geez i mean as far as like performance wise um you know trust trust in you know the training that you put in in the process um you know knowing that you put in the work um that you can make it through that short leg. Um, and I would also say, like, headspace-wise, you know, you have you have confidence in the swim, right?
1: So yeah, yeah I'm confident in that bit. That's not that's not so, in
0: <laughs> So try to get your headspace the same, the same way that you have confidence in the swim, try to get in that headspace when you're on the bike. Try to think about how confident you feel. Um, when you're swimming, try to think about having that same kind of confidence on the bike, um, keeping yourself in that headspace. because the moment you like, stop believing in yourself, you know, the moment that you have doubts, uh, you know, that manifests and that can, that can hinder your performance. Um, so I I would say like your body is capable of amazing things uh you know it's your head that usually is the obstacle so try to like think about things that you're confident in yourself doing and keep in that headspace.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um what <laughs> <laughs> my body's capable of is debatable, but that's fine. Um don't but- think
0: about crashing. <laughs> The moment, the moment you think about crashing you're gonna crash like yeah. just don't think about that I, I feel like so many people think about oh my god like they just they doubt themselves or they think about crashing or they think about oh man like last time I took this corner I totally ate shit and then they're just gonna eat shit again it's like don't think about don't think about crashing you okay. know yeah <laughs> don't think about that
1: I'll try I'll try yeah yeah,
0: yeah. let's
1: we'll see how Get the goes. rubber
0: side down man <laughs> I've,
1: got, I've got to get a bike first actually i mean so far i don't actually own a bike which is you don't have concern. a bike yet yeah, that's oh, the first, that is the first issue admittedly hey um, you should probably get
0: a fun. bike so that you can do
1: your travel <laughs> nah, probably, I don't know. these things happen bike bike will be fine um but thanks for that advice so finally uh we always have what i call any other business so this is a chance if there's anything from the world of sport or the world on the whole you have like to talk about or you might prefer just to talk about either sponsors or where people can find you or more information, any anything in the world you want to talk about, now is your opportunity.
0: Oh, okay. Um, geez. Well, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, <laughs> Kendall underscore Ryan92. Um, yeah, I have Twitter. I also have TikTok. I'm not really good at TikTok, but done a few TikToks. Um yeah, I don't know if anyone's super into TikTok. Uh,
1: TikTok's a new thing. I'm, I'm a little bit <laughs> concerned because for long term, I've been saying to like my parents, our oh, Facebook is so old-fashioned. No one's on Facebook anymore. Everyone's on Instagram. <laughs> I, I don't
0: use my Facebook.
1: <laughs> Instagram, Instagram and Twitter, that's where it's at. Yeah. And now I'm concerned that so there's going to be kids calling me like old-fashioned because I'm still <laughs> on Instagram. And I'm really concerned because I never thought I'd get to that point when... I'm now yeah. part of the older generation, but I think it's come and it's come for me at twenty-five, which is a real concern. <laughs> so uh, I am personally quite scared of TikTok and I haven't yet subscribed to yeah, it. But I feel like I'm gonna have to at some point.
0: I'm not good at it. I know that there's like trends and stuff that you have you know that you're that people do, and I I, I don't hundred percent get it yet, but I'm learning. Um, you know I'm just an old lady now I guess so you just have to learn a new learn a new trick um, but that's yeah it. TikToks uh, yeah it's interesting for sure there's a lot of stuff on there
1: and uh,
0: a lot of guys without shirts on that's what I've noticed
1: there, what? <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, I know there's um, there's a challenge over here in the UK uh, of so like, like piss your pants challenge yeah, have you, have yeah. you have made it to US yet? Where just people like wetting themselves. Oh um, my god! On uh, on camera, uh, I haven't witnessed this yet. This is what's on, on news channels are reporting, which is a concern. Uh,
0: yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean that also scares me. I don't think I'm ready for TikTok. I think I'm too, I'm too young, or I'm too old. I'm one of them, but I'm definitely not ready for, for the TikTok. Uh, anyway, you So, so, so that's your Instagram. <laughs> Uh whereabouts can people find more stuff about your cycling team and your road to, to Olympics?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, follow follow Legion on Instagram. Um uh, you know, follow Justin Williams, follow Corey Williams. Um uh the whole team is is plastered all over these pages. Um but yeah, uh I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> like uh they're so, oh, they also have, um, Legion has a YouTube channel. Um, nice. lots of, lots of, uh, videos of crit races, um, bike handling skills descending, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, yeah, Corey and Justin are really good at that stuff. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll get a, hopefully I'll get a GoPro soon and I can just post all the crazy shit I do too. <laughs> <Nice>.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. So well, I look
1: forward to that. Um. <laughs> So all that leaves me to say is just thanks for joining me. Um I really hope we do get to see you in that team USA uniform in the summer. Um you. if you do, I promise I'll be supporting you, not the uh the British athletes ahead of you or, or <laughs> around you or maybe even behind you. But um but yeah, it's so all the best for that and uh and hopefully it all Thank goes much. well.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, really, really had a good time uh having a chat. So Great. take care. <laughs>
1: Ah, oh, wasn't Kendall fantastic? Still something so cool about that American accent, live on the set of some sort of American drama, that like one true hill. I really do wish Kendall all the best for 2021, and I hope she can get back racing as soon as possible and give herself every opportunity to achieve her Olympic dream. I had agreed to go and see Kendall perform live in March at the Geraint Thomas Velodrome in Newport, But unfortunately, with every passing day, my confidence is dwindling that an indoor sporting event with crowds will be a reality within the next month. When I finally do get myself a bike, however, I will certainly be contacting Kendall again for advice on how to use it. There's been a special focus this week on mental health in UK schools. And thus, I think it's a crucial time to mention mental health once again on the podcast. We start every episode here by discussing the guest uh, health and all its components, so physical, social and mental, and I think a big part of mental health is developing connections. I have been very fortunate that through this podcast series, at a time where many people are feeling isolated, I am making new friends with people all around the world, and the podcast is provoking conversations with people who I haven't spoken to since school or university. Everyone listening can make an extra effort, however, just to contact a friend or a family, maybe just drop them a text or send a funny meme or share an Instagram post. Remember to check out the social media, which is at hips underscore and underscore dips with a Z on Instagram uh, to find out more information about Kendall and all my past guests and where you can access all those episodes And you can also check out at Kendall underscore Ryan 92 for more information on Kendall and her year ahead of the Olympics. So remember to stay cool, stay rad, stay classy, and most importantly, stay safe.